This is Fayette Forward, where we discuss trails, transit, city planning, and anything else that's on our minds. Our goal is to keep Fayetteville moving forward in a positive, inclusive, and intentional way that benefits everyone who lives in this great city in the Ozarks. You ready? Come on in. Hey there, welcome to Fit Forward. I'm Nick with my co-host and wife, Meredith. And today we have Prentice Grayson, who is the Senior Manager of Outreach and Advocacy at Trailblazers. And we've got David Criswell, who is the Senior Director of Active Transportation at Trailblazers. And congrats to you both on your promotions. Hey, thanks. Yeah, welcome. Great to be here. Welcome. We are super excited to have y'all here. And we'd love to hear a little bit about you both. And we can start with Prentice. Yeah, so I'm Prentice Grayson. I'm the Senior Manager of Outreach and Advocacy, which means at Trailblazers, I lead the outreach and advocacy programs that we have, such as Adult First Ride, the National Bike Challenge, which is hosted by Trailblazers, and several other programs, such as the Trail Adoption Program. So I lead the strategy of how to figure out how to get this out in the public and get people moving throughout Northwest Arkansas. So I'm originally from the Little Rock area. I've been here five years. I worked for a news organization, and I did work for the Center for Sexual Assault, and now I'm at Trailblazers having one of the best times I didn't think I'd ever had. That is so great to hear. Thank you for sharing that. And David, where are you from and what is your background? Yeah, so my wife and I moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas in July of 2020. So peaked pandemic, you know, at that point, I mean, they took the swings off the playgrounds, restaurants were takeout only. It was a a really isolating time, honestly. And it's really hard to get to know a community and get to know people in circumstances like that. So the way that we got to know our community was just by using the trail every day, riding our bike or walking with our kid, ended up providing some of our closest connections and ended up getting to know folks at the city, active transportation coordinator and, and Dane, the mobility coordinator, and got plugged in with Trailblazers and was happy to start working as the GIS director, helping use some of my engineering and mapping experience to help solve problems of trail planning and program coordination and even expand that into some active transportation work. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, welcome to you both. And I'm curious, what areas have you lived in within Northwest Arkansas since you've been here? I've strictly been in Centerton the whole time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been fortunate. I've worked in Rogers and Springdale and, and now Benville, but strictly I've been in Centerton. Yeah, and I've just been in the west side of Fayetteville since 2020. Nice. And how do you guys use the trails to get around at this point? I mean, Centerton's probably unique compared to Fayetteville, and so it'd be interesting to hear the contrast of how you both use the trails. Yeah, I use it mainly probably during bike month. It was 100% of going back and forth to work. So finding my way to trailblazers from where I live at and understanding where the infrastructure is and how I can use it. We have office city bikes so when we go to meetings as long as it's not all the way in Fayetteville we will try to ride and show that we support the infrastructure that's being laid in the area. We chose Fayetteville specifically whenever we moved here and at the time I was working just five miles from home and at that time you know I was riding my bike regularly to my engineering job but once I changed jobs now I mainly drive to my bike job but <laughs> often I'll drive to Rogers or some intermediate location and bike over. But I love just using the uh, 
paved trail down from our house to take my kids to the park or to pick something up at Sam's. Uh, it's just a really great way to get around the community. And do you see a lot of people using the trails for going to stores to buy groceries and things like that? Or do you find it's more recreational use when you see people around to both of you? On my side of town, it's uh, definitely more recreational use because of the uh, meaningful gaps in connectivity right now. We're waiting on a portion of Highway 112 to establish a trail that will really connect Clabber Creek to the rest of town, to the Greenway. And once that happens, I think that'll expand a lot and as that side of town develops. But yeah, that's it for our side. Well, and one thing we see in, in the Benville area because of 3rd and 8th Street connection, we do see a lot of people riding up and down those two corridors. Uh, some of it is recreational because 3rd Street gets people into Cola, but in the heart of uh, downtown Benville, you will see people moving with cargo bikes, going to that. There's a Walmart down there because it, it is, for me and my thought process, it, it is faster to move through Benville in a bike. It takes me roughly 20 minutes to drive in traffic to my house, but roughly sometimes it can be 15, maybe 25 minutes if I choose to use the bike lane. So we do see an increase of people using it and, and having a good time. Like midsummer, it, it's a good time to ride bikes in Northwest Arkansas. Midsummer, I prefer October. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask what your secret was. Do you have like a portable shower that rides with you or something? Hey, I've been surprised. Like I've been seeing quite a few people riding. I mean, um, with the events going on in Northwest Arkansas, we do see people sweating, but Mm -hmm. still uh, deciding to use active transportation. And that's probably the reason that led me to buy an e-cargo bike in, in Fayetteville specifically, because of how much it unlocked for our family to be able to get places not being super sweaty, both by effort or heat. Yep. And also with the hills, you know, Mm -hmm. it's allowed me to put both the kids on the bike. My wife feels comfortable riding. It just reduces a lot of barriers that helps us use the trails more for active transportation. I've been seeing that more and more on the Greenway. Yeah, we've talked about that in that as Fayetteville plans more trails, east-west connectors, some of the barriers there have been the hills, but with more electric bikes and micromobility scooters and things like that, it might change how they plan and how they how they are thinking about things. Obviously, you have less of that problem in Benville, but it's really interesting that you can get there faster on a bike, which is honestly a success to me. That's a great reason to have trails is to have these alternative modes that actually aren't slower. So Yeah, and, and like I said, traffic dictates it. Like there might be an accident one day and, and I get to fly around it, you know, instead of waiting. So it is great seeing uh, how people choose to use different levels of mobility. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Trailblazers in general. So whoever feels like taking this one, if y'all could just tell us a little bit about the organization and what the goals are, and maybe you could go into a bit more detail with your specific roles. Yeah, Trailblazers has been around for a while. Really, it started as a nonprofit in 2000, and it oh, wow. operated as just volunteer-based for 15 years. You know, back in 2000, there were zero trails in Northwest Arkansas, which is what makes this story such a cool uh, story. I mean, today we have over 400 soft surface trails that we've helped put on the ground, and overall, there's 200 miles of paved trails in Northwest Arkansas. But they hired their first paid position in 2016, and merged with Bike in the BUA, the advocacy organization, 
just in 2021. That's when I came on. That's when they branded as Trailblazers. Previously, it was NWA Trailblazers, but now as Trailblazers. Overall, the goal is to just let everyone in Northwest Arkansas have the freedom to live active, healthy, and connected lives. That's what we want. So we do that through trail or active transportation projects, making sure that these projects can be developed and, and happen throughout Northwest Arkansas, and programs like Ernest mentioned, bike education in schools, adult first ride, slow streets, things like that. So is it more advocacy or are you actually building trails and, and designing trails as well? It's definitely both. We do what we, we call it developing trails because we will propose a corridor. We will fill out a grant application and secure funding. We will contract that out to a trail builder and manage the project until completion. So we do have a trail crew of 10 people that will actually do some trail building and definitely a lot of trail maintenance. But for the majority of these projects, we're helping develop. Yeah, we want to design something and then how do we get the people on it? So we, we have learned that through advocacy and outreach that getting people learning how to ride and making them feel comfortable, it will get them to some of the stuff. So as we design it, as we develop it, as we consult on it, it is the educational awareness aspect of advocacy to get people on it. So we find that everything we do, we're, we're a unique organization in that fact of we design it and, and program it and getting people to move through the region. So that's why our moniker is Moving for All. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this, this method, I think, has really allowed us to make such rapid progress because it's really accelerated the, the time frame that any single government could achieve. That's incredible. Well, and that brings us to one of the reasons we wanted to have y'all on here, and that's to discuss this recent report that y'all released through Trailblazers. I believe it is called the Northwest Arkansas Trails and Active Transportation Equity Report. Did I get that right? Yes. All right. It's a mouthful, but it's got tons of great information. And we went through it a little bit, but we really wanted to hear your thoughts on things. Yeah. So I started with Trailblazers May of 2022. And when I was brought on, I was brought on as a community organizer role. This great report fell in my lap. I'm I'm fortunate to have it, but it's threefold approach to research and data study. So the first approach was a a focus group. We wanted to hear people's voices, wanted to hear how they feel uh, about trails in Northwest Arkansas. The second uh, approach was through an equity map. And David could tell you a little bit about the equity map. Yeah, the equity map just uses census data and trail and active transportation infrastructure data to really look at each city and see where are some of the more underserved areas in our communities, places that may be traditionally low income or have a low access to active transportation infrastructure. And oftentimes city officials want to know that data or have an idea about where those areas are, but this really backs it up. You know, this says what the data says and um, how we can help make recommendations to improve our network that really serves not just one group of people, but everyone. And through the focus groups and David and the equity map, we came up with an inclusivity survey. So we did a paved trail inclusivity survey just to sort of reaffirm some of the data that we have collected. And we using the equity map really to measure access. What are those barriers and perceptions that people may have? And then it gives us tools to understand where we can remove some of them. So some of those are things that trailblazers are are working towards to remove. Some of those we're hoping to partner with cities, county, 
organizations to remove, but it is a resource like no other in the world of active transportation. So it is strictly that it's a resource. People are able to pull it up, see where people are, hear their voices, and then look at the data and then be like, okay, this is how we can do or our future planning. And it's just not about active transportation or trails. We we see that p- other people just look at it to see where they can improve the outreach for nonprofits. Or if we're holding an event, we could do it over here. Or if we're trying to connect people, this is what the map provides and the voices of the marginalized people or just people in general can be heard. Yeah, and I spent a a good bit of time going through it. And you're right, it's huge. It's got a lot of data and it's awesome. I was really impressed and I think you guys did a great job on that. And I think it's really important because we want these trails to be used not just by select few and certain types of people. And so identifying the barriers to use and how people perceive these trails and the, the way people use them is really important for us to make good decisions as a city and as a county and as a region. So, um, you know, some of the interesting things I read, various things like white individuals use the trails more for leisure, whereas Hispanic, Latino, and Native American, Indigenous people tend to use them more for commuting. Uh, those who earn higher incomes utilize the trails more frequently, whereas those who earn lower incomes use them less. And there's a lot of really interesting quotes from the focus group. And I'll, I'll read some of those in a second. But one thing I noticed was that among different minority groups, there were different barriers to use and different perceptions. And people might assume that there's one certain thing that is preventing everyone, but it's really different things for different people and depending on where they are. So one thing that I saw was people's perceptions of their built environment. Uh, A lot of those questions are how people feel, how have I used some of this? Did I feel like I was welcome when I was using it? But also, especially as we talk about people that came into our area from other areas, other parts of the country, how they used it in where they're from and how they can use it here is two totally different things. So I think some people have found the necessity like, hey, I might not make enough and a a bike can get me from point A to point B. So it becomes a necessity in that fact. But also how other people choose to use it recreationally. It all just depends on where they're from, what their backgrounds is in biking, their knowledge and education of infrastructure. How far is it from my house? Can I save money by not getting a car and working closer and using this bike lane to get me where I need to be in Fayetteville or Springdale or wherever there are in the region? So it's just really dictated on what the built-in environment gives them and how they know how to use it. So that's why it is important to use the equity map to sort of nudge people to see where this infrastructure is and where they are. That's the unique thing about the equity map. I was able to zoom into where I live and like, okay, there's infrastructure here and there could be infrastructure coming here. So what do I need to do as a citizen to uh, advocate for it? It's it's just not about the big nonprofits uh, or advocating is all of us advocating for infrastructure. Yes, the the focus groups and the survey highlighted people's perceptions. And by understanding the people's perception, it it changes even how I perceive it. Even as an African-American male, I didn't understand how an Asian-American person felt on the trails. So when we talk about equity, you know, where is that starting point for everybody? 
and bringing everybody along the line and make this an even more welcoming community. That's incredibly well said, honestly. But yeah, one of the things we wanted to cover is that one of the big barriers is cost. One of the quotes that was on there was the expense of bicycling is a barrier to entry. And I've thought a lot about this from the perspective of e-bikes because we've talked about this at length with David, how much easier an e-bike is for getting around in a city with hills or when it's like 100 degrees outside or really, really cold and you don't want to get really sweaty biking and then freeze when you get into the cold weather. So what are your thoughts just in general about the expense of cycling, the thought of potentially having e-bike credits or any of these other kind of concepts that have been floated to get more people on bikes. I know there are organizations, I think Pedal It Forward is one to get people on bikes. But do you have some thoughts when you see that one of the big barriers for people is simply the expense? Yeah, the the expense, because we look at it more in a recreational aspect of, hey, I want to get this mountain bike to make these outstanding jumps. But when we bring it down to a level of where these barriers are, it is about how can we get people on bikes that work for them. So what's so great about this area, too, is there is a big economic uh, implications of mountain bikes and, and bikes and gravel bikes in this area. But there's an organization like Pedal It Forward that was like, hey, if you cannot get a bike, we will help you to our very best ability to get that bike and remove that barrier. So that's one less barrier that people in Northwest Arkansas don't even sometimes have, but it sometimes might be the perception of we're riding with someone else and they have this expensive bike, right? But at the end of the day, these bikes do what we ask them to do and get us to point A to point B. And I think also the education and knowledge of e-bikes. So when I came to Trailblazers, I'm definitely not the rider, but the understanding of like, hey, e-bike, can get me to point A to point B without me building up all this sweat. It, it moves just like I needed to. It helps my legs. It, it, it creates all this world of active transportation. So it's also the awareness of what an e-bike is, what it can do for a person that might not just, that's just using it for commuting. But there's just such a world, but understanding the economic aspect too. The U of A did an economic study that's showing that money is coming into this area for bike-related active transportation. So, you know, people understanding that there's options out there for them to move through the region. And while the upfront cost of a bike is nowhere near that of another traditional transportation option like a car, it's still quite a hit for mm -hmm. a person, especially from someone with, without the means. And so Pedal It Forward being able to provide a free bike is huge. There are other communities in the U.S. who have implemented e-bike incentive programs like the city of Denver and, and dozens of cities across the U.S. that have proven to be both good for business, both good for traffic, and just good for their cities that expressly provide a voucher for low-income individuals to take some of that cost off of an e-bike. We're hoping to see something like that in our cities in the future. And I know there's been a group in Fayetteville that's been exploring it. I think people need to continue asking for it. Yeah, and, and thank you for bringing that up because yes. I think that's one of the things we want to achieve here is to raise awareness of the things we do need and ways we can help and make things yes. better. I'd like to go on record as asking for it. <laughs> Just <laughs> thank while you. we're here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other thing in the report that I thought was really uh, meaningful was 
representation. I think a lot of people made comments like, when I think of the average cyclist, I think of someone that is as far away from my demographic as possible. I envision an upper middle class white man that wears tight bicycling gear. And that's not wrong. Yeah. And I think, you know, someone else said, I get excited when I see a Hispanic person on a bike. When mountain biking, I heard the Spanish language being spoken and I immediately approached this person. It was exciting because I don't see it enough. So I'm really curious to hear some of the things that we can do to help this. And I know, I think some of the takeaways you had mentioned is getting just more representation in media and in the signage, you know, maybe multilingual signs on the trails, things like that. Could you speak a little more to that? Yeah. So one thing we've seen is a, what Trails Blazers was trying to do was measure that access. And one of the things that we initially saw was, were we as trailblazers, even though we have good intention, increasing that image? Sometimes we have the greatest minds in the room and we were just missing getting our report, getting our survey, getting our focus groups out to the people that needed to get that direct. So we created an advisory council. It's made of 15 individuals, all diverse. There's no two people in the room that are the same. And we talk about different issues. A is how can we get better research data to make these changes, but also what are we doing to increase that presence on the trails? What are those barriers in real life conversations? So we want people to see themselves out there. And, and this is a trend across the country. It often comes up into a lot of conversation. It is also about culture that is built, education and knowledge. So during, during the National Bike Challenge, I think for me, it was, hey, I need to realize how, where am I going? Like, what is the purpose of where I'm going and how does it benefit me? So it's different for everybody else as we talk about their environment and their built environment. But just saying that we want to see more diverse people on, on the trails is us saying it. And now we have to find ways to identify that. And we're using our advisory council to identify ways to increase that diversity trail so people can feel like they see somebody like them that is community. And we... We use the word bikes and trails, but this is a common thing that we just see through equity and all types of things. We we see it in sports. We see it in, in politics. We see it everywhere else. So if we're able to solve it here at Trailblazers, I think we could uh, really, like, save the world. So. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like that so much. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you would like to see people use the equity map? Absolutely. It provides a really great resource, especially for city officials, planners, folks at nonprofits, and really just everyday advocates. We've already used it to coordinate efforts with the city of Fayetteville, looking at certain areas of higher equity need in southeast Fayetteville, where there's progress in connecting an area between, between Huntsville Road and 15th. There's a lot of dense development public housing, Habitat for Humanity, I believe a homeless shelter. And there's a lot of services to the West. There are some connections, but not as many as there could be for a lot of those neighborhoods that might need it the most to get around. So that's been really useful already in identifying and coordinating with the city. We're very hopeful that we can get some improved connection for those folks there. That's great. Thank you. And I was also curious, this is for either of you, one of the focus group findings was that there was a perception of crime on the trails, but predominantly among Asian respondents. Uh, do you know if there's a particular reason for that? I think it's a, 
a perception of safety. We didn't research the data behind criminal stats or crime stats on the trails. They perceive it to be unsafe, and that could be lighting. They might have heard someone yelling in the background. There's different things, but this is also during a rise in Asian hate crimes. Not saying that we necessarily seen it here in Arkansas, but it is just the perception of what happens in the world around us that give people perceptions. So there's certain safety perceptions, not necessarily saying that the trails are unsafe. We're, we're not saying that. It's just those focus groups perceived it to be, and it could be, you know, the part of the Razorback Greenway that they might have been on at the time, or a walking trail might not have the brightest lights, or it might be in an area that they think has high criminal activity. Uh, and that's their perception about it. And, you know, working the ability for some of the, the cities or organizations to see like, okay, this is how a person perceives it to be. How can we improve it? Some of these recommendations we did give was like, there's some things that say, hey, we can fix that like real quick. And there's some of these recommendations like, okay, we have to work towards something together. Yeah. And I think to your point, I mean, one of those notes about lack of safety was aggressive drivers. I'm seeing a quote here that says, I just think that people don't know how to share the road safely where we live. There's a lot of aggression from drivers. So I think some of that comes back to your point of education that we made earlier, just outreach, education, making people aware of safety gear and being aware of ways to make yourself known to drivers. And then also, this might be the bigger challenge, but how having drivers really be aware of the fact that people are riding bikes and that they should take precedence on the road for safety reasons. And there's a lot there. A is like the education, knowing the rules of the road, you know, what uh, a cyclist can do. But also, where are we rushing to in these cars? If we're rushing that quick, we're probably going to be late anyway. Mm -hmm. But as we talk about the education of drivers, cyclists, whoever, we also have to remember there's there's people in our community that that have never ridden a bike before, so they don't understand the experience of a vehicle being too close to to you when you're trying to make a turn or you're on a, a share road trying to get somewhere. So it is you know best just hey get out there take a friend for a ride that that may never have uh, ridden before, so they'll understand and spreading the word, enhancing the safety. You know, we work through our adult first ride to teach adults how to ride. And one of the things that Pedal It Forward gives them is is a helmet. That is a huge thing. We shouldn't see too many people out there riding without a helmet because we're all not perfect on bikes. We're going to slip or fall or something, and we want to have that extra cushion. So I think safety is a big thing, but that does come through education, not only drivers, but people riding bikes or walking or roller skating. Man, and I want to say, you know, I'm a lot of things. I'm a driver. I ride bikes. I walk. I'm a dad. You know, I'm a brother. We're all a lot of things. I probably drive most as my, you know, mode of transportation. But we need to see each other as people on the mm -hmm. roads. And we want to design for people in our communities. There's a very common survey that shows there's maybe 1% to 5% of people are very confident, ride anywhere, cyclists. There's like maybe 10% that are like, I'm pretty confident. But then there's like 60% of the population is 
interested but concerned. If we want the trails to be accessible to everyone, then we need to design our streets and our spaces to allow for any age or ability to be able to move around safely. So you're advocating for 10-lane stroads? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. For you. Thanks. No, I, that's, a, that's a great point. I think traditional city planning and road planning has not considered those things in America in a long time. And I think that's starting to change, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. We want it to change. Yeah. While we're on that topic, do you all have any sources of information on these topics that you really love? Because I want to drop one in called Strong Towns. They are the inventors of the word strode, which is a combination of a street and a road. And it's not really good at either of them. They call it the futon of, I guess, transit. <laughs> but a futon is kind of a bad couch and a bad bed. But it really technically functions as both. And that's a strode where you just kind of have something where it's not exactly a street, where it's people focused and people can comfortably walk and bike. But it's not really a road where it's designed for rapid transportation of vehicles. So, hence the strode. So, are any channels or books or anything that you want to drop in while we're on this topic? Strong Towns is a great one. Uh, one book that made a difference to me was Jeff Speck's Walkable City. Uh, that is an excellent book, just helping understand how cities can be designed to be more safe, walkable, what makes an enjoyable experience whenever you go on a vacation to a big city and you think that was a great time. What did the city do to make that happen? And at the end of the day, our neighbors, random people in our community are running our community. We're all just people making very big decisions that are investing in our future and learning about those things, educating and talking to those folks can have a big impact for years to come. Speaking about lack of infrastructure and safety and all of these things, are there any suggestions that y'all have to address things like this person who said the way the roads are designed here, they're just not safe for anybody? Other than the Active Transportation Advisory Committee, are there any other areas where you feel like people should really show up and have their voices heard if they identify an area in their own neighborhood? Like you pointed out earlier, Prentice, you said, oh, this section isn't really built out yet or safe. Is it through trailblazers? Is it through local organizations, city council, some combination of the above? Fayetteville is really unique because it has programs like traffic calming that you can apply for or tactical urbanism where you can slow down an intersection that you're concerned about. These often take some commitment either to volunteer and canvas people on your street. Coordinating with trailblazers on these types of projects or slow streets is also an excellent way. Another way that Fayetteville is unique is that instead of just depending on bond money to complete active transportation projects, they have part of their annual budget dedicated to building trails and other active transportation projects. A million dollars a year, if I believe. But how long has that been a million dollars a year? I don't know if you guys have experienced inflation in the last couple of years, right. but we have, and everything is way more expensive, especially in construction, and we need people that ask the council to increase that. You're, you're giving us an actionable tip that anybody who's listening can say, okay, ask city council, ask your representative, say, this is something I want to do. I want to increase the amount of money going to this fund. I'm always a big fan of a, a good actionable tip. So yeah. thank you. At the end of the year in November is when city council members decide the annual budget. So oh, talk to them. That's also know. a very good tip. But it's also stepping out your front door and seeing what traffic looked like down your street. And do you feel safe crossing that street if if you're not that there's a civic process that that people can go through and 
like David was saying, slow slow some of the speed down. How we can make our um, streets, roads safe, not just for cyclists, but even cars that are traveling. Have either of you been reached out to by any groups affiliated with any of the four big cities in the region or other groups as a result of this report that want to work with you to find these solutions or your interest was piqued by it? Part of my job is I, I do work with uh, organizations, cities, whoever is asking for our assistance on advocacy. The report, it, it really furthers some of those conversations as we identify some of the issues. But as of right now, we had the conversation with the strong towns in Fayetteville. We gave it to the Bentonville Moves Coalition in Bentonville. And we're really just weeks in and it is a lot to digest, but we have to understand that work is not done. And we are definitely here to support any organization or person, find ways to make their area of whatever town they're in as safe as possible. That's great. And we really hope to help raise awareness a little bit more as much as we can through this, just making people aware of this report. And we're going to have a link to it in the show notes as well for anyone mm -hmm. who wants to check it out for themselves because it is pretty pretty intense and awesome in a good way. Great. From both of your perspectives, what are some of your thoughts and takeaways from all of this? If you could just kind of condense and crystallize all of this into just biggest takeaways, maybe some more actionable tips that we can all do as listeners, as concerned citizens, involved citizens, whatever you want to call us, what can we do to help you achieve some of your goals as an organization and some of your goals just for getting more people on bikes and making them feel safe in the process. As it relates to the equity report, I, I do suggest people look at it and understand that there's other perspectives. Uh, any assumptions that you might have of where someone is coming from or why they're riding in the street or why they're not riding in the street, the equity report will make you question that thought process. So remove all those thoughts when you look at it at its purest form and understand that there's issues going on and around us. One thing the Equity Report let me know and some of the people at Trailblazers know is like, hey, the work is not done. We have lots of infrastructure on the ground, but the work is not done. Initially, this report was supposed to be a one-off, you know, measuring the access and then let's go to work. We realized that we need to measure that access on a consistent basis and advance our advocacy efforts more as we go across this. That's why it's a unique opportunity for us to work with a nationwide leader with Equitable Cities and Bike POC to address some of these concerns. But it, for me, I looked at it a million times and it opened my eyes. And every time that I look at it, I learn something about the perception or stereotypes that I might have about someone and that they are definitely, you know, untrue. And the equity map will correct any thoughts of where you think people are. Where you think people are and where income is, you will be surprised. Zoom into the area that you think it is and look at it even for a couple minutes. You'll, you will get lost and then just look at where infrastructure is in some of these communities and you will want to start advocating for someone other than yourself. There's definitely ways for people to get involved, whether it's volunteering at Trailblazers in some of our programs like Adult First Ride. We need volunteers to help people learn how to ride a bike for the first time. We've had classes all in Swahili 
for Canopy refugees. We've had classes on Spanish. We see public input sessions all the time, whether it's a skate park, whether it, they're talking about a bike park. When there's opportunity to act, we need to show up. Because if we not, it might be that one voice of someone that might not want something to get it not to pr proceed as fast as it, sh as it could be. But you could follow our Facebook page when there's something, public input session, like show up whether, you know, you work, play in that city because the decisions we make now will affect our, our children and our grandchildren down the line. We have noticed that when you do show up to those information sessions, it's kind of the same familiar faces. And it's great to, to run into other people who care and who, let's be frank, probably have the flexibility in their schedules, which comes with an element of privilege right there to be able to go to these sessions. But one thing we keep talking about is even if you can't make it personally, tell somebody who you know has that schedule flexibility or has that day off from work and let them know what you want them to say because it's so important to show up to the planning sessions and make your voice heard. Not many people show up, and sometimes the people who show up are not always going to be in favor of things. They're going to be, we always joke, like red dotting or green dotting because a lot of times they'll have a poster and you can say, Put a red dot if you don't want it or a green dot if you do and put it where you want it. There are a lot of red dotters that are going to show up. So if you want a green dot, you've got to show up and do the green dots because otherwise it might be that the people who show up are driven by fear or they just don't fully understand how important it is to get that infrastructure and they're going to show up with the red dots. Absolutely. So. And sometimes they're talking about skate parks in there, bike parks, different things. So it's just not about the street improvements. It's also about parks. But the city of Fayetteville does provide usually an online way to contribute your message. So if you're unable to come, scroll over, scroll down a little bit more, click that feedback link and just take less than five minutes to give your feedback because some of this might not happen right away, but in 10 years, you're going to wish that you spoke up. And if you're not aware of when those links come out, follow Trailblazers social accounts on Instagram or Facebook, and you can receive notifications about those opportunities. And just for listeners, because we are a Fayetteville-focused podcast, even though we do cover the whole region, I know Trailblazers works primarily outside of Fayetteville, but are all of the things you're mentioning that Trailblazers does open to people from Fayetteville coming up and participating and all those kind of things? Absolutely. We're a regional organization, so that makes us different in a lot of nonprofits that do some of the work that we do. They might focus on a city, but because we're regional, our capacity is sometimes is stretched because we're talking about a lot of trails, a lot of roads, a lot of this and a lot of that. So we do try to do our best to contribute to all parts of, of the region and even outside the region. We look at how we can support everybody because we're all along this mission to make movement for all a, a closer reality. So uh, most people might see our work in, in the Bella Vista and Benville area just because there's a lot of mountain bike trails. But we have done stuff in Fayetteville with at Centennial and worked with Sology. Bike, Traverse, the Greenway. Yes. And our work is all throughout the region. It just depends on, you know, what we can do and how we can support. But we're usually an email or a call away from some of the cities. They do have our number and we do talk to them on a regular basis. What can we do? How can we support you in your endeavors to make the trail system more equitable, both from a recreational and a transportation standpoint? 
just be yourself. Everybody wants to find a way to get back to this ecosystem. Hey, take a friend along on a ride that probably doesn't ride. Hey, look how how this can be. Participate in public input sessions and public forums, show up, but just ride too. There's counters out there that we look at and we need to see those numbers of people actually using them. If you have a friend that might not know how to ride, and that barrier of access is learning how to ride. Let them know about the adult first ride. We do trail adoption programs through our TAP program. Have them sign up to help clean up a trail. We have the National Bike Challenge. That's the primary time to encourage people to ride. You get paid. You can win stuff for just riding a mile a day. So there's several different things. If you want to see bikes in schools, look up All Kids Bikes and uh, Trailblazers Bike Club, find a way to fundraise that money so we can match it and get these bikes in school. There's so many different ways that people can choose their way to uh, get back to the uh, community, whether they want to just encouraging riding. That's sort of what we do with the National Bike Challenge. If they just want to see one of their friends ride with them, there's so many different aspects of how you can give back. You can sign up for our newsletter and hear about the different things that we're doing and how you can feed into this area as it, it continues to grow. And here's a few more. The trail adoption program or TAP, you know, primarily focuses on soft surface trails in the Bella Vista Bentonville area, but Ozark off-road cyclists are a volunteer group that help maintain trails in Centennial Park and Kessler, and they're always looking for help. They also help fix up bikes at local elementary schools. If you've ever wanted to join a social ride, but don't want to quite do something as intense as the groups that meet for, you know, gravel or road rides, First Thursdays, Experience Fayetteville and the city of Fayetteville lead a fun group ride that just goes around downtown, comes back, people take their kids, sometimes people dress up, there are a lot of great opportunities to get involved and try something new, meet someone new. I just want to give a shout out to David who went to a Star Wars slow roll ride <laughs> in Fayetteville on first Thursday recently and had a pretty decked out bike and it was pretty awesome. I built it up like a speeder bike yeah, and it, it was, was great. Fun. It was pretty fun. You're going to have so. to link to that in the show notes just so everyone I, can. We'll see if it's public, but I, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I appreciate the, the creativity. Well, just for a second, if we could dream a little bit. If barriers were not an issue, what would be your dream improvement to the trail system? Just, I mean, anything. Often in our space, we keep looking at what's to come. How can we make it better? And there's something to be said about the amazing progress that's been made. You know, the investments by so many people in our community, staff and volunteers that have allowed this to progress the way it has. I don't think people quite realize that in three to five years, we are going to have amazing loops of trails connecting us across Fayetteville, east and west. But if I could make anything happen, I'd have that completed now. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, you're one of us. I knew it. <laughs> I'm ready too. Well, you know, just the ability for people to choose how they move through the region. So th there's going to be people that might be car riders. Okay, but if I choose to ride or skateboard or however, and like David said, have that continuous connection, that as long as that person has that opportunity, and as we fight for where lanes and different stuff is, 
as that stuff gets built using the resources that we have provided, it, it will become closer to reality because we do see that people are listening and are, are wanting this sometimes might not know how to say it. So just equity in where we start from so we can finish at the same time. We like to ask everybody who comes on the podcast, and I'll start with you, Prentice. What is one simple thing everyone in Fayetteville can do today to make it a better city? Get out and ride. It's just get out and ride. Go to a, a destination that you may not been to before. Take a picture. Tag Trailblazers. And so we could show the region sort of where we are headed. I love it. We're going to start tagging Trailblazers. I never even thought to, did th to do that. All right, David, what's one simple thing you think everybody here in Fayetteville can do to make it a better place? I would say go interact with a group that you don't normally interact with. Just by having new experiences with a civic group or a leisure group or a book club or whenever people connect with others that they haven't met before, sometimes barriers can be broken down. And whenever we have these conversations about safety and feelings of other as barriers, sometimes those can be reduced by getting to know folks outside your bubble. Love it. That's wonderful. And lastly, what is one organization that you'd each like to shout out? It can be in any context, just something that you, you really like and believe in. I've got two. One of my favorites is the Land Trust. The Land Trust is a great organization that not only helps conserve natural spaces, but they also help conserve farmland, creating agricultural easements so that folks can find a way to continue to farm throughout the years, providing local fresh produce to this growing area. That, that's one group that I love. The other is Circles, NWA. Sometimes people don't appreciate the social capital that we all carry, just knowing people, knowing people with resources. Circles really helps unlock a lot of opportunities for folks who might be in the lower income bracket, getting out of cyclical poverty. And that's a group that I know has been doing a lot of work in, in Fayetteville and I think is well worth supporting. Thank you. Nice. One group would probably be Bike POC. They work closely with Trailblazers. They've been doing a lot of the behind the scene work of advocacy and the way that they approach and want to see through some of the events like Critical Mass, Pass the Mic, uh, brings awareness. And they have been a great partner, B and Kim, and helping to make this report come to reality and keeping what we consider to be a great community even greater. So there's a lot of organizations that we work with and we want to definitely like thank them all, pedal it forward. They do amazing work with the staff and the people just volunteering to build these bikes to get these bikes to kids and, and adults that don't have it. Well, thank you both so much yeah, for blazing trails of your own with this equity report, with what you do for trailblazers, just being good people and mm -hmm. good humans. And just kind of really appreciate you coming on the podcast and yeah. sharing what you have to say. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's an amazing community.